Uh, if you would uh, turn with me back to Second Peter, as we try to bring to conclusion um, what we started out this morning. Um, I, I must apologize. I don't know what uh, happened to me this morning, but I looked at my notes and all I saw was lines. I couldn't read a thing. But God in His graciousness is able. And I pray that you are at least able to understand that it is God who enables us. It is God who is doing all the work behind the scene that causes you and I to live godly in Christ. Let's pick that up after we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for once again bringing us to this place, giving us another opportunity to be confronted with your word. Father, it's your word. Sink it now deep into the good soil of our hearts. As you've been preparing our hearts all day, all week, we ask, Lord, that um, uh, you would sensitize our hearts and our minds uh, and cause us to live in such a way that would be pleasing and honorable to you. Father, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be completely acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, first, first all, off, um, I want to make sure we understand that uh, what I said this morning about we having God's divine nature, uh, us having the same type of faith, and uh, us being granted everything that we need to live godly in Christ, understand in no way am I insinuating that that is going to suggest that all pain, all suffering, all bad stuff is just going to go. <laughs> all right? As a matter of fact, there are some around town who will say, come to Jesus and he'll take away all of that stuff. Um, when you come to Jesus, uh, he'll fix all your problems and he'll put money in your pocket and he'll fix your marriages and all that sort of stuff. And in and of itself, those things are true. But when we walk the aisle uh, in salvation, uh, uh, expecting God to fix those things right away, I think we buy into a wrong type of salvation. Can God fix our marriage? He certainly fixed mine. Can God fix um, our finances? He can. But is that why He came to bring us salvation? <laughs> no, it, salvation came to bring us in a relationship with God Himself. Having His divine nature causes me, it enables me now to live godly. To be able to go beyond myself. To be able to, 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 to put up with the stuff of life. As a matter of fact, I can now get angry and not sin. With God's enablement, I can, I can, I can be in the middle of a storm and still sense God's peace, His overwhelming peace. Uh, Pastor Brian alluded to, uh, took us to Isaiah chapter twenty-six, verse three. He says, "Thou will keep him in perfect peace." Why? Because his mind is stayed on Him. He trusts in Him, and that is what. Peter was saying, listen, 
you have been enabled. God has given you everything that you need to live godly in this life, despite what all is going on around you. Amen? Amen. So now we come to the rest of the passage, and yes, we are going to teach through chapter 1, 2, and 3 tonight, so you better strap on and get ready for a long ride. No, I'm teasing. But as far as our responsibility is concerned, there is a responsibility, but understand, we cannot meet our responsibilities that Peter is talking about in verses 5 to 11 until we understand, until we fully become aware of that it's God who does the enabling. Um, uh, Colossians puts it this way, he says, it's Christ in you. And so as we get to, uh, uh, I'll start reading from um, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3 of Second Peter. He says, seeing that his divine nature, sorry, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And then he says in verse 5, Now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, term of conclusion, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you and to me. Peter says, you've been enabled. You've, you've, you, you have everything that you need to, to live godly, uh, to, 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 to fight fairly, to, to love the unlovable, to do the undoable, to, to, to live in this world. Um, and, and we could come up with a host of scenarios that would uh, try our faith, that would try our patience, that would try even the salvation that we believe in. Um, marriages, people, uh, places of employment, uh, uh, students at school, the, the list goes on. But is there a responsibility on my part, on your part, as far as this whole process is concerned. I think there is. Listen to what Peter says. First of all, in verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you where? It says, in the knowledge of God. Verse 3, Peter says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, 
How? Through the true knowledge of him who called us. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the point I'm trying to make. And it's perhaps my theme song. Ladies and gentlemen, I know of no other way to gain knowledge about God than right here in His Word. I know of no better way of getting to know God than right here in His Word. I don't care what method you use. I don't care how often you do it. At some point, you and I have to open the book and seek Him. As a matter of fact, um, there is a passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, we often are able to recite by heart. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you. You know that one, declares the Lord. But listen to what the rest of the verse says, or the verses following verse 11. I'll read from verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. But listen to verse 12 and verse 13. He says, God speaking through the prophet, says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Listen to verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. There is a responsibility on my part, on your part, as far as being able to be God's champion and able to be God's representative and in order to be God's example here on earth as far as how one lives in these last days. And it begins with you and I getting to know Him right here in Scripture. And perhaps I'm speaking to the choir because one of the things that um, Calvary is known for is the fact that um, we are in the Word. We get solid teaching every Sunday, day in and day out. But Maybe this isn't for us, the choir, but maybe this is an opportunity for us to encourage others. You know, there are people around the world today, right now, who who cannot walk around with a Bible. Do you know their brothers and sisters right now um, hiding, perhaps meeting, not as many as 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 we are tonight, but 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 cowering in fear because if they're found, if they're caught. They will be persecuted, they will be killed, their houses, their children, their spouses will be taken away from them. And here it is, we live in a day and a time where we can come and go as we please. We have the freedom that God has given, that God has granted to us, and we take it for granted. What would happen if we lived in a, in a world where we couldn't or did not have access to the Word of God like we have it today? We can't even imagine it, can we? But ladies and gentlemen, don't take that for granted. Don't ever take the privilege. And I use the word privilege because sometimes we see Bible study. Sometimes we view coming to church as, a, as somehow we are uh, doing God a favor, as if we're making some sacrifice. And it's really not. It's a privilege. I don't have to go to church. I get to go. I don't 
have to study my Bible. I get to study. It's a privilege. It's a God-given privilege that He's given us. And if I get up in the morning and say, oh boy, I got to go study my Bible. <laughs> no, what if we woke up tomorrow morning and say, wait a minute. Praise God, I have been given another opportunity to seek God and He promises He's going to let me find Him when I seek Him. Changes Bible study, doesn't it? Does it? Yes, 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 yes. So moving right along. Now listen to what Peter says. Peter says, now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith. We talked about it this morning. He says, now you have a faith, a saving faith. One that now makes you a a, 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 a divine, a partaker of the divine inheritance. And he says now in verse 5, he says, Now, for this very reason, what was stated before, applying all diligence. The whole, the idea of diligence has to do with earnestly accomplishing a task. Okay? Um, <laughs> it was funny. I was sorting through some things the other day, and... Um, I found one of my old um, primary school report cards. <laughs> Ooh, I wish I could get a hold of that teacher right now. Here's what she said to the comment at the bottom. Patrick is not diligent in his work. <laughs> so I, I went and looked at the word diligent. That's what I came up with. Patrick did not earnestly complete his work. He didn't accomplish the task that he was given. Listen to what Peter says. He says, applying all diligence in your faith. Earnestly accomplish certain tasks. And he's going to number them. He's going to list them for us. Um, we were, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a little boy. And uh, uh, I was told that um, there were certain uh, foods that I just refused to eat. As a matter of fact, beets was one of them. As a matter of fact, if, if I could be so daring as to say, I um, just, just scratch this from the record, guys, but I believe beets was a part of the fall. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I believe those things just sprung up soon as Adam and Eve sinned. Um, but beets was one of my uh, things that I struggled with. And um, I don't care how they tried to hide the thing, mask the thing, um, decoy it. They, could, they would period, they would bake it, fry it, do, do all manner of evil against that thing. And this thing would still exist. But my grandmother would say, boy, you ain't moving from that table till you finish your food. My brothers would inhale their food, my cousins would inhale their food, fellas them are licking the plate and I've still got this thing on my plate. If I was smart I would have eaten it with the rice and the meat and that sort of thing and chased the taste but for me just beets, I mean who even invented beets? In my childish thinking, understand. I struggled with the scent. I struggled with the sight. But you know, my grandmother would say, she said, all right, boy, here's how we can do this. 
Your cousins and your brother, they out playing. She says, if you eat one, <laughs> she said, I'll let you go. Now you got to understand, even that one was a struggle. And I put it in. The thing that made me want to eat that beet, one beet, one slice of a beet, was the fact that my brothers and cousins were running about, having all the good time. An hour later, I'm still sitting there on the stairs trying to get this one sliver of beet down. But you know, at some point I made up in my mind, listen, the only opportunity I'm going to get, the only way I'm going to get up off this stair and enjoy the time with my family members is if I am able to get this thing down. And I would hold my nose, put it in, chew it real quick. Didn't even wait for it to get small. I just inhale it. When I thought about Peter and what he was saying, applying all diligence in your faith, the whole idea of earnestly accomplishing the task. Now you can understand, my, my detesting of beats still exists. I'm in the food store, and you see the can of beets, I'll walk on the other side of the aisle. It's just... But because I wanted to play, I had to accomplish this task. And here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Now understand, the thinking, is the, the understanding is this, God has already enabled you, God has already given you everything that you need to live godly, and he says, now you, in light of that, having understood that it's God who enables, supply diligently moral excellence to your faith. And now exactly what is moral excellence? Some people call it virtue. Um, uh, especially when it comes to a way of thinking or feeling or action. Um, some people render it as modesty or purity in, in, in the way you live. Uh, excellence in being pleasing to God is another way of putting it. Um, one definition puts it, that which gives man his uh, worth in light of who he is in regards to God. So Peter is saying, in your faith, earnestly accomplish the task of supplying purity, modesty to your faith. Now, 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 now the big trick is, how, do, how is this lived out? Let's go on and, 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 and see. Uh, the idea with diligence has to do with striving after something with haste. Okay? Um, uh, so Peter says, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And, and understand that because of what Christ did, because of what God did, we're able to now, in wisdom, as provided here, we can add 
or supply these things. Um, the whole idea about the whole uh, the, the, the understanding behind knowledge, this one is an experiential one. You, 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 you have to do it. You got to open the book. You got to study. This is, it has to do with general intelligence. It, is, it isn't a full knowledge. Um, this one has to do with, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about having a, a, a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge. You, you've heard that before, where we know a lot about God, but as far as living it out, uh, being passionate about it is concerned. But you know, there's a danger in the opposite, in having a heart knowledge of God, but not having a, a head knowledge. What I mean is, we could be so passionate about God, but yet when it comes to, uh, as Peter said in First Peter, being ready to give an answer for the hope that was, is within us, we aren't able to give an answer. We, we don't know why we believe what we believe. I ran into a pastor a couple of weeks back on the island of Eleuthera, and it was funny. He was sitting there. I think he was just trying to um, he was trying to make known his uh, intelligence. I'm trying to be as politically correct here as, as possible. And uh, he was all over the airport, uh, uh, you know, going on and on and on and on and on about stuff. He finally sets his eyes on me. He doesn't know me from Adam or the man in the moon. He plops in the seat next to me and he says, so what do you do? <laughs> I said, well, um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, he says, where are you from? I said, Nassau. He says, well, what do you do in Nassau? I said, well, um, I teach. Said, oh, you're a teacher? I said, I said, yes. He says, what do you teach? Now, usually people leave me alone after I say teach. But he, got, he went on, kept pushing my buttons, pushing my buttons. And he said, well, where do you teach? I said, uh, around. I've been in a couple of places. Oh, 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 oh. He says, you like flavor? I said, ah, yeah, you could put it that way. He says, so where do you teach? <laughs> I said, I teach in the church. Ding, 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 ding. The lights went low. Ladies and gentlemen in the red corner. He kind of turned and looked at me and then he wanted to begin to lecture to me all his religiosity. And I smiled to myself and I said, sir, can I ask you something? This is something I've been wrestling with. He says, yeah. I said, um, tell me what do you understand when you hear, what do you mean, what does it mean when it says that we're justified? What is, what is justification by faith alone and Christ alone? Oh, son, that's a deep question, he said. He says, well, see, justification means you're justified. He says, you know, when you're just. I said, wow. I leaned over to him. <laughs> I was being naughty. I said, you don't know what it means, do you? <laughs> he said, no, I got to go brush up on that one. He had a heart knowledge. He had a passion, a seeming passion, but he was not able to. And Paul, Peter, Paul, Peter, Peter. Peter was saying, in your faith, supply knowledge, an accurate knowledge, one that is grounded here in the Word of God. Why do you believe what you believe? The question was asked last Sunday 
Um, who was it? Was that Evie Hill who preached the little excerpt at the end? But the question was asked of us, his audience. He says, do you know him? Do we know him? If someone came up to you and said, well, who is Jesus? Can you fully explain him? Can you take him to scripture and say, hey, this is who he is. This is why I believe what I believe. I challenge you. Peter goes on to say, with all diligence, earnestly accomplishing, striving after something, striving after or striving with haste, supply to your faith moral excellence, to your moral excellence knowledge, to your knowledge, he says, self-control. Oh, so I wish they didn't included that one. The whole idea is temperance, uh, the virtue of one who masters his desires and his passions. And usually, this has to do of essential nature. Earnestly bring to completion, earnestly accomplish supplying self-control to your faith. Being able to say, no, I'm not going to watch that program. Being able to say, no, I'm not going to go this place, or I'm not going to read this, or I'm not going to say that. Being able to bring oneself under control. And it's the control of what God's Word, God's Word teaches. As a matter of fact, um, Psalm 119 says, How can a man keep his way? By the way, how can a woman keep her way pure? None of this can be accomplished, ladies and gentlemen, if we keep this closed. None of this can be accomplished if we continue to um, deny the, the, the coming together of the saints, how we worship corporately. None of this can be accomplished, ladies and gentlemen, if we are not seeking Him, actively seeking Him. Remember now, He's given us everything we've needed. Everything we need, He's granted to us to be able to live godly. And Peter says, now, having understood that, having understood that fully, apply all diligence to your faith, moral excellence. And to your moral excellence, knowledge. And to your knowledge, Self-control. Some of you look at me and say, I hope he doesn't teach you the whole list. No, I won't. But let me tell you something. This is so important. Because we're talking about living or how we live in the last days. <laughs> you ever been so angry? So angry that you could feel your hands around somebody's throat? Don't raise your hand. I'll just raise my hand on behalf of everybody. You ever been so angry that you wanted to say something really bad? And you've convinced yourself in your heart that this bad thing I want to say is quite appropriate? <laughs> my favorite, driving and trafficking, and that person pulls up alongside you and They've made two lanes where only one lane was. And they look over at you and expect you to let them in. And you have, a, you have designated a few choice words to share with them happily. You know what Paul Peter is saying? He's saying, here's where you get to supply 
self-control to your faith. How many times have you and I been in a position as, as right as we've been and God says, no, don't say that. No, don't do that. I'm not ashamed to say it. My wife and I get into, uh, we have our disagreements. And uh, most of the time, Mona Lisa's right. <laughs> don't ever tell I said that. But every once in a while, bless the Lord, every once in a while, I'm right. And the flesh in me raises up and says, you know what? She is going to understand that I'm right this time. And then in the back of my mind, it gets dead quiet. It's as if. Underscore the word as if. It's as if God's right there, arms folded, saying, all right, big boy, what you going to do? And it's as if I turn and say, well, God, I am right this time. Patrick, love your wives. But I'm loving her, Lord. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna show her the error of her ways. Patrick, don't you think she knows that? But somebody's got to tell her, Lord. Patrick, live with your wives in an understanding way. But God, wait a minute. You don't know how bloody and messed up I was in that last argument. I got to get her back. Oh. That's why. <laughs> Supplying self-control. Being able to put a limit on oneself. We talked about this this morning in, in Sunday school. Oh. You're driving along. <laughs> and the light turns red. And there's a gas station right here. Ah. Now this, this is just Patrick talking now. <laughs> the Patrick of all <laughs> you know what Patrick would have done oh, right through the gas station but because I placed a limit on myself I'm going to go up to the traffic light and I'm going to patiently wait I've, I've put those controls on myself now I ain't telling you what to do the spirit of God living in you you're going to have to deal with it but Peter is saying earnestly accomplish these things and he's going to tell us what's going to happen if we do. Let's move on quickly. What kind of time we have? Oh wow, it's nine o'clock already. All right. He says, now to your knowledge, supply self-control and in your self-control, perseverance. The ability to abide, um, the stick to itness um, has to do with patience, uh, endurance as to Things or circumstances. I don't particularly like this one. Because sometimes it seems that circumstances or situations that God allows to come our way, they hang around a little bit too long. Anybody would agree with me? (laughs) 
this, ha- this perseverance doesn't have to do with being long-suffering towards people. It's a different word. This has to do with being able to running and enduring and keep going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. And Peter says, earnestly try to accomplish, not earnestly, earnestly bring to completion this particular virtue in your life. How on earth, ladies and gentlemen, will God teach us perseverance if we don't ever go through the stuff of life? If things were going good all the time, if things were going my way all the time, would I ever need to supply these things? Yes or no? No. No, 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 no. It could be finances or the lack thereof. And Peter's saying, endure. As a matter of fact, there was a time when in my prayer, I would pray, God, get me out of this situation. There was a time when I was like, wait wait a minute, God, I've been serving you. I've been faithfully walking the walk and talking the talk. You know, we've surrendered completely to you. And this is what you give us, the burn and peel job. But His grace is sufficient, isn't it? Supplying all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence, supply knowledge to your knowledge, supply self-control to your self-control, perseverance to your perseverance, godliness. This is just outright devotion. Um, When we hear of piety or piousness today, usually we hear of it in a negative term. Today. But it's, it's a general sense of of a life that's morally good. Um, but this morally goodness is directed out of a sense of worship towards God. I don't know if I could use that in church, so we'll, we'll just move on. So, supplying all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence. To your moral excellence, supply... Help me with it. Knowledge. To your knowledge supply self-control. To your self-control supply perseverance. To your perseverance supply godliness. This is just righteous living, ladies and gentlemen. To your godliness supply brotherly kindness. Do we have to explain that one? Just, Just outright being neighborly. And Peter is saying, God has enabled you to earnestly accomplish the task of being brotherly or sisterly, especially within the body of Christ. But this isn't just limited to us in the body of Christ. It's to whomever we come into contact with. As a matter of fact, there was a lawyer in the New Testament in the Gospels who said, And Jesus, who exactly is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus gives the story of the Good Samaritan. 
Uh, how neighborly are we today? You know, there was a time, there was a time when, when we saw our car broken down on the side of the road, for example. Um, we would stop and ask the person, hey, you okay? You need a ride, need the help, need a pair of jumper cables. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you could do that. Today it's a little bit risky, is it not? And the culture, it seems, has caused us to back up into our own little, little uh, private worlds where we're not as considerate, we're not as compassionate towards others as we used to be. But the truths of this passage still apply to us today. And I'm not saying throw caution to the wind and, 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 and not consider uh, 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 the, the, the risks involved. But how many times has the Spirit of God living in us, operating in us, has, has said, do this or do that? Be neighborly over here. Um, I used to get terrified of the fellows who come to my window to red light. Uh, Chief, you, you know the fellas. I, I could borrow five dollars. I told one fellow, how are you going to lend you five dollars? I can see you no more. He said, you know what I mean. <laughs> But with earnestly accomplishing and to your brotherly kindness, love, agape. Now understand agape is similar to brotherly kindness, but agape is a type of love that is not shown by doing what the person you're wanting to love desires. It's loving the person in the area where they need. For example, Man wants to do his own thing. Man wants to go his own way. Man in his humanness wants to save his own self. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, so agape the world. In other words, he didn't give man what he was desiring. He gave man what he needed, a savior. That's what's happening here with agape. And Peter is saying, applying all diligence, supply that type of love. Quickly, let's look at verse 8 and verse 9, verse 10 and 11, and we'll go home. Listen to what Peter says. For if these qualities... What qualities? Those same qualities we just talked about. Right? For if these qualities are yours and mine, does it end there? What does it say? If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, 
having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent. There's that word again. Earnestly accomplishing. Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you and I will never stumble. Did you see that? For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. I don't know where you are in the process. I don't know what you're struggling with. I certainly know where I am and I know where my struggles are. But pause with me for a minute as we conclude tonight's service and ask yourself the question, God, what is it that you would have me to do? The first question in that process is, how can I live godly in spite of my circumstances? For example, uh, take a student, high school, primary school, or whatever. How can a student live godly in spite of their circumstances, in spite of who they are around, in spite of what all is going on around them. Take the job that you're on. In spite of the people, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the stress involved, how would you live in such a way that God gets the honor and God gets the glory? With your grandchildren, with your children, uh, in your neighborhood, um, in your church community, on the streets, at leisure, wherever it is God has you to go, how do we live godly in spite of our circumstances? I get a kick out of Pastor Brian. Uh, uh, he said it on more than one occasion, how often when they go and they go to do ministry with the sick and the shut-in of, of Calvary Bible Church, how much they end up being blessed, <laughs> as opposed to them being a blessing. And those saints uh, would sit there or lie there and, and be such an encouragement to, to Pastor Tom and Pastor Brian. And what is it that, that causes them to be able to persevere, to be able to bear up, in spite of their circumstances. What is it that causes you and I to live godly in spite of our circumstances? Man, can I speak to you just, just briefly? I, I promise we're going we're to close this down in, in a few. Sometimes our wives can say some tough things to us, can't they? Ladies, just close your ears for a minute. Sometimes our wives, and, 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 and albeit they may be right, but the way it's said, it's like opening a wound and pouring salt in it. It kind of burns, doesn't it? 
How do we be godly? How do we be godly in such a way, as Peter says, to never be able to stumble? Wives, it wouldn't be fair to just talk to the husbands, would it? How do you place yourself under? In spite of. And how do you place yourself under his authority in such a way so as to not stumble as Peter challenges us? Well, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, it begins with you and I being in the Word of God. It can't happen any other way. It will not happen any other way. Brother Rutherford, I don't have a wife, I don't have a husband, but I struggle with teething. I struggle with telling the truth. I struggle with pornography. I struggle with drinking. I struggle with whatever. What does Peter say? He's saying, with all diligence, supply these principles to your faith. And he says, for as long as as you practice these things, you and I will never stumble. Will it be easy? Shake your heads with me. No. But like I ended this morning, I can't. But he never said I could. He can. And he always said he would. Ladies and gentlemen, God himself has enabled us to be able to supply diligently these virtues. It cannot happen any other way. If I try to do it in and of myself, I'm going to jack it up. I'm going to mess it up. Some of you going back to school tomorrow, all right, I promise, I, God, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. No, no. If you go to the tomorrow, God, in your strength, I'm going to allow you to supply these things in my life. Ooh, you got a recipe for success there. You may have a tough decision, tough time this week at school, at work, at wherever. Allow God, because of his enablement, to cause you to be able to supply these things. Amen? Can I pray? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, for the confidence that your word brings to us. To know, dear God, that your promises are true. In your word, you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. In your word, you said that if we abide in you, sorry that we know that you abide in us, now we should abide in you. Your word says that you have granted us everything that we need to live godly in this life. In light of the fact that we live in the li these last days. Grace and peace, Lord, have been multiplied to us. That would allow us now to uh, supply, to earnestly complete um, a supplying knowledge and 
and moral excellence and perseverance and self-control and godliness and brotherly kindness and love to our lives. And in so doing, dear God, we know it will bring honor and glory to your name. Father, teach us your ways. And as we go forth this week, dear God, cognizant of the fact that you have enabled us, may we act in such a way that you get the glory. Father, bless your word and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.